We now know this Penn State player isn't going to see the field this year. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Upside. Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. I'm your host, Zach Seiko. In today's episode, we are going to discuss the player that James Franklin said is not going to be on the field this year for Penn State, give out new grades for all the positions on this Penn State football team, and in the final segment, an early brief Michigan preview. What do the Wolverines bring to the table? Penn State's on the bye week this week. Michigan's got a game against Indiana. Just what you need to know about them. Jim Harbaugh and everything else. So that player that James Franklin said isn't going to be on the field is in fact defensive end Smith Vilbert. In a post-practice press conference by James Franklin, he told the media that Smith Vilbert will be unavailable for the season. Smith Vilbert is a redshirt junior, and James Franklin shared this after practice this week, but Smith Vilbert kind of had a little bit of high hopes for him, at least to expand upon his performance. He had three sacks in the Outback Bowl against Arkansas last season. You step up big. Arnold Ebicati had opted out of the game to prepare for the draft, and Smith Vilbert, it's not like he had one in a in a late-game situation. Arkansas's big up front. They, they have huge offensive linemen. And Smith Vilbert came to play and had those three sacks and honestly was the best performance of that game. I think people want to leave that game in the past because Penn State really wasn't that competitive losing 24 to 10, but Smith Vilbert was one of the bright spots in that game. And Vilbert's three sacks from that game actually were the most among all returning Penn State defensive linemen. And prior to the Outback Bowl, He had four tackles in 17 career appearances. James Franklin called it unavailable. Didn't say he was hurt, didn't say he was suspended, said that he would be unavailable this season. To me, that sounds like a personal matter. I I don't know what else it could be because James Franklin normally will say if somebody's out for the season with an injury, uh, he's pretty coy about all of it, whether it's injury related or disciplinary. But he said that Smith Vilbert is going to be unavailable. And to me, that sounds like off the field issues for whatever reason. Because here's what's interesting. He was on the scout team this whole time. I thought he was injured and he was just not playing. But he's been at practice this whole time. The Penn State staff even named Smith Vilbert a developmental squad player of the week leading up to Central Michigan. So that seems really strange to me. I don't know if this has to do with the fact that he's been jumped on the depth chart, maybe in a mean van over getting more playing time and a deny Dennis Sutton getting some early playing time as a true freshman factors into any of this. But it is really bizarre that he was practicing this whole time and was still on the scout team after he had three sacks against Arkansas in the Outback Bowl. Uh, Smith Vilbert didn't parlay it together. I, I don't know what exactly happened here, but he's... Not going to be available this season. That hurts the depth chart a little bit for the defensive line. Those are two guys that I named tonight, Dennis Sutton and Amin Vanover, but they're still very strong at defensive end. Nick Tarburton, of course, Adisa Isaac, who's back from his injury that kept him out all of last year. And 
Chop Robinson from the transfer portal. So the defensive ends will be fine. Deny Dennis Sutton really helps for that. And that means his role is going to increase even further. If Smith Vilbert is truly unavailable, then I think that just opens up the door for Deny Dennis Sutton and even Amin Vanover to continue to build off of that. But it sounds like a personal manner. I do respect James Franklin for wanting to keep it private. He's very good at protecting his players when there are these kinds of situations that come up. But now we know it is official. Smith Vilbert will not be available this season. And it seems like the three sacks against Arkansas in the Outback Bowl were just more of a one-hit wonder. My name is Zach Seiko, and this is Locked On Nittany Lions. Coming up next, we regrade all the position groups from the quarterback and the offense all the way through to the kicking unit and special teams. From cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting us all where it hurts. And it really hurts. That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With every purchase, I'm earning cash back thanks to Upside. I use Upside at the gas station. It's super easy to use, and it is not too good to be true. It works. To get started, download the free Upside app and use my promo code LOCKED and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. Check in at the business, pay as usual with a credit card or debit card, and get paid. Download the free Upside app and use promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. My name is Zach Seiko. Thanks for joining me on another edition of Locked on Nittany Lions. Time to grade the team again. It is the bye week portion of the season. Can you believe that? We're already a third of the way through college football. So classes in session yet again. And after the Northwestern game, some of the position groups took a little bit of a step backwards. We'll start with the quarterback is always Sean Clifford and, and the depth chart as a whole. They go from an A post-Central Michigan to an A-. minus. Uh, this was the first game that Sean Clifford struggled a little bit. I know it was raining. I know it was wet out. The ball was slippery. But 10 of 20, the one interception where you can prevent that type of play, that's why I'm giving the quarterback group an A minus because they've still played very well to this point. I mean, when you think about it, Sean Clifford as the starter, and we've seen Drew Aller and Christian Bayer play, but specifically Sean Clifford's play, he's responsible now for 13 touchdowns to two interceptions. That still puts you in the A category, and some people might not even be as critical and still give him an A, but there were just some plays even when it was... Even with the not-so-great conditions, I thought there were some plays where you missed wide-open wide receivers. I don't know. I've never thrown a ball at this level uh, to know and playing in the rain what it's like. But not his best game. James Franklin said that, one to forget. But it was an ugly win, and they got the win. That's all that mattered. And Sean Clifford did limit the mistakes as best as he could. But it, you, you would still like to have seen those other ones not be out there. So quarterbacks are now at an A-. Running back, and these are full season grades. These aren't grades post-Northwestern. This is a full season grading to this point after Northwestern. Running backs go from A to A-, and that has to do a lot with the four fumbles. You had two from Nicholas Singleton, one from Katron Allen, one from Kevon Lee. 
Devin Ford's no longer with the team, uh, so that kind of moves the grade down a little bit. I, I'm, it's the strength of the running back room, and when you lose a running back like Devin Ford, it it hurts. No, he wasn't the best guy in the room, but if any one of those guys gets banged up, has to take a playoff, I am comfortable with letting Devin Ford take the carries. So overall, this running back group moves from an A to an A- minus because of the production they provided. Despite the four fumbles, they still were solid overall against Northwestern when you run it 50-plus times and you got some production. Northwestern knew the run was coming, and Penn State was still able to get 87 out of Singleton, 86 out of Allen, and 40 out of Kevon Lee. That's pretty solid. And the running back group deserves some scrutiny for the four fumbles because I think Penn State would have destroyed Northwestern had it not been for those turnovers. But it happened. You learn from it, and hopefully they continue to get better, especially because they had no fumbles up until that point. So I'm going to chalk it up to the weather since before that they hadn't even put the football on the ground, let alone lost a fumble. On to the wide receivers. Uh, I'm going to keep them at a B minus. They were a B minus after Central Michigan. They're going to stick at a B minus. Uh, there's not really much you can do uh, against Northwestern in the rain. I, my criticism has been that they're not getting open enough, uh, and they haven't been asked to do a whole lot since Purdue. And I think that's fine. Mitchell Tinsley, Parker Washington, tight ends are separate now. I had pass catchers lumped together at the beginning of position grades throughout the season, but now they're separate. So Brenton Strange and the tight ends will be next. Mitchell Tinsley, Parker Washington, Keandre Lambert-Smith did go down with an injury. We don't know what his status is for the remainder of the season, if he's week to week, day to day, if he's going to miss a month or so. We just know that he was in a walking boot against Northwestern after he left the game. But the wide receivers have been solid to this point. They haven't made any big mistakes, but they haven't done a whole lot either. I'm eager to see what happens when they are asked to pick up some more responsibility in a game and if they can rise to the challenge. But the talent's there. Uh, Trey Wallace becomes a little more of an X factor. Will he be a good number three wide receiver like Keandre Lambert-Smith? Lambert-Smith still allowed for the team to be matched up in single coverage. And if Trey Wallace doesn't do that, where defenses are now allowed to double cover a Brenton Strange, double cover a Parker Washington, bracket a guy, that's going to be very telling because Keandre Lambert-Smith was still good enough on his own to warrant attention. To the tight ends, last week they were an A-, minus. they are still an A-. minus. The reason I still have the tight ends as an A- minus is because Brenton Strange might be unstoppable. Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren haven't been asked to do a whole lot because Brenton Strange has taken over as tight end number one. And as much as I would like to see Tyler Warren get more involved, same with Theo Johnson. I think Theo Johnson could be a huge red zone target, but Brenton Strange has been just that. Had one catch against Northwestern, it was for 20 yards and a touchdown, and he leaped over a Northwestern defender. If Brenton Strange is going to continue to play like this, the tight ends will stay that way. Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren, for being the backside blocker or being the weak side blocker, they have done well. So there's really nothing to pick on. You'd like all of them to do well because you know how talented they are. But since Brenton Strange has distanced himself in terms of reliability in the offense, I don't know how much distribution of the football you're going to get from Sean Clifford when Brenton Strange has become Mr. All-Reliable. 
And to finish up the offense, the O-line gets a B-plus this time. They move up from a B. You won the trenches that day. Uh, the offensive line did not allow a sack of Sean Clifford, uh, even though they didn't pass as much, only 20 dropbacks. Uh, but they've been fairly clean. Same thing against Central Michigan. Sean Clifford was not sacked. And that's going to go a long way at this point. I think the offensive line did well, at least pushing the defensive line of Northwestern back a little bit. And, and to this point, aside from Purdue, a little bit of struggles against Purdue in the running game, they've really uh, shored some things up. And that's a testament to Phil Troutwine and guys along the offensive line. Olu Fashionu is getting respect now in the national media. I saw a CBS Sports mock draft that had Fashionu as the fifth guy taken in next year's NFL draft by the Washington Commanders. Fifth overall. He's getting the recognition he finally deserves, and he's probably slated to get some all Big Ten honors, maybe even all America honors by the end of the season if he continues to perform the way that he does. Juice Scruggs is an anchor at center. It's nice to have Sal Wormley back from injury from a year ago. And Caden Wallace has actually been a lot better since he had his struggles against Purdue. Landon Tangwall has solidified himself at the left guard. You saw, you saw him rotating in and out to see what other options they have, but it's Tangwall's job now. He, he is in there at left guard, and that unit has chemistry. You don't want to break that up. Uh, they could even be better at this point. Uh, maybe some people would give them an A-. I'm going to keep them at a B plus. They keep Sean Clifford upright. That grade will only go up. On to the defense. The guys in the trenches, the defensive line. Goes from a C to a B. They jump a whole letter grade. No, no minuses, no C pluses. They go to a B, and that is because the defensive line was instrumental in holding Northwestern to 31 rushing yards on 28 carries. They reset the line of scrimmage. That offensive line for Northwestern returned four starters, four starters from a year ago, and the Penn State defensive line rose to the occasion. P.J. Mustafer led the team with eight tackles. Chop Robinson was applying pressure off the edge, even though he didn't register a sack, but it still provided the pressure to adjust the plays when Ryan Holinsky had to drop back and pass. We saw Nick Tarburton probably have the best game of his career, had the strip sack fumble, recovered a fumble. Tarburton was all over the place, and it was good to see him get better as well. I know that you lose Smith Vilbert, and that was just an important depth piece, but since Deny Dennis Sutton and Amin Vanover have stepped up, I'm not concerned about the edge rushers for Penn State. The defensive line in the middle, Hakeem Beeman even had a really good game, batted down two passes when Ryan Holinsky and Northwestern had to throw the ball. They are just, even though they're not getting to the quarterback, they are affecting plays, whether that's batting passes at the line of scrimmage, forcing running backs to go away from their initial read, and that's exactly what the defensive line did against Northwestern. The Penn State linebackers are going to stay at B+. Uh, Curtis Jacobs, most notably, had a fumble recovery. Uh, linebackers have been playing very well to this point, especially with all the criticism they endured through the offseason. Will they have it? Will they be enough? Curtis Jacobs not getting recognized by any award watch list. The emergence of Abdul Carter as a true freshman has really benefited this group, and that's why they are a B-plus at this point. Curtis Jacobs, Abdul Carter, Jonathan Sutherland, Tyler Elsden, Kobe King. For most people, I think it's been fairly surprising that the group has performed to this point, but 
it just means that they're learning a lot faster because the potential was always there, but was it going to be there at this point in the season? And it's good to see at the bye week that it is. Defensive back, that includes the corners, the safeties, A+. And this is the best position group on the defense still for another consecutive week. They were an A+, after Central Michigan with all the interceptions they forced. Jair Brown had another interception against Northwestern. The corners played lockdown. Northwestern's passing attack isn't that great, but Penn State's defensive backs still made it very difficult for them to get any sort of yardage. Joey Porter Jr. is a top 10 pick in next year's NFL draft. Jair Brown starting to play his way into a day two pick. I always thought that he was a second or third round pick, but maybe the scouts didn't see it that way. And I think they have to at this point. Daquan Hardy's reliable in the slot. And then you just have the depth everywhere. Whether it's Kalen King, whether it's Johnny Dixon, Marquise Wilson, Zachy Wheatley, Keaton Ellis. I mean, all of those guys have starter abilities, but you have them and you can play them where they are most fit. You can play them with the most energy because you're able to cycle guys in and out and not lose any level of play. And you will continue to see Penn State's defense have the Prowler package with seven defensive backs and go dime where it's three defensive linemen, two linebackers, and six defensive backs. And that's okay. They force teams into those third and long situations. That's when the defensive backs will thrive and continue to thrive. And 12 turnovers at this point, 11 in the last three games. Defensive backs are a big part of it. On to the special teams. Punting goes from an A to an A. That is still in the A category. Barney Amore leads the country in punts inside the 20. He had three punts inside the 10, four inside the 20 against Northwestern. And I thought that was going to be a stark drop-off after Jordan Stout had graduated, went to the NFL, is now with the Baltimore Ravens. I didn't think Barney Amore would play to this level. He has gone above and beyond for this Penn State special teams. The offense is better just as a whole. The defense is forcing more turnovers. I think in terms of talent, overall, both groups compared to last year and this year are at at about the same talent level. Now, they're talented in different spots, like this year, defensive back, they were really talented. Last year, they were really talented at linebacker and had Jaquan Brisker to help out in run stuffing. But now you combine that with someone who's still able to flip the field, someone who's still able to prevent teams from returning big punts, and Barney and Moore has done just that. It felt like last year, the punting unit and Jordan Stout had to bail out an offense that couldn't put a drive together. Now you can pin an opponent inside the 10, inside the 5 with Barney and Moore. Defense forces a quick 3 and out and a punt, and then the offense has a short field to work with. All these things affect each other, and Barney and Moore really helps out with that. Punt return is going to remain a B. It was a B against Central Michigan. It will stay that way. Really not much you can do. Parker Washington just hasn't turned the ball over. He's had some fairly good returns throughout the season. Uh, You're still waiting on that touchdown. You would love to see it. And eventually, I think it will be there. But Parker Washington is just reliable. There just hasn't been that explosive play just yet. Place kicking goes from a C- to a C. Jake Pinniger has been on the mark, off the mark. This time he was on. And James Franklin admitted that they made some changes to field goal protection. And I think it's showing. The rhythm of the play looks in sync. Jake Pinniger was 3-for-3, two PATs, and a field goal in the pouring rain. So if you make the field goals, this grade is going to go up. That's really how it works. And if you miss them, it's going to go backwards. Kickoff, I'm going to go from a B-plus to a B. This is really, I guess, just me being a little overly critical. 
the way that they rotate kickers, I'm fine with it, but I would just like some consistency, whether it's Zahedak or Wosu. They're also not getting the ball all the way through the end zone, and that I'm piggybacking off of what James Franklin has said about the kickoff unit. They are not getting the ball through the end zone, and it's allowing for opponents to return those kicks. And kick coverage has been good, so maybe the kick coverage deserves a little more credit. Uh, But Jordan Stout, every single time he stepped up to the 35, that thing was through the end zone and no chance for a team to return it. It was almost a surprise when Stout didn't net a touchback. But I can't complain. No big returns allowed by Penn State on the kicking game. They forced offenses to start at least inside the 30. And we'll finish with kick return. So kickoff has been good. Kick return, kind of the same thing. So while they're holding teams inside the 30, the 25, when they start their drives, uh, kick return is not getting the football out far enough. Nicholas Singleton's been back there. Tank Smith. Singleton has been okay. He hasn't fumbled the ball on kick return, just on, on offense twice against Northwestern. But it gets a C- minus for me because... I would like to see that kick return for a touchdown. I would like to see someone take the football to midfield and give the offense just a little bit of better fielding position when the defense does surrender a little bit of points. They're not putting the ball on the ground, which is fine, but to get back to the 20 to the 25 every time just isn't doing it for me, and that's why it stands at a C-. This is Locked on Nittany Lions. I'm your host, Zach Seiko. When we come back... We're going to briefly preview Michigan. The game is next Saturday, October 15th. It is a big noon kick, just to give you a little bit of a teaser. This is Locked On Nittany Lions. I am your host, Zach Seiko. Michigan, they are undefeated to this point, but they've had a fairly easy schedule. The Wolverines beat the likes of Iowa last week, Maryland before that, then not really the greatest Connecticut team. Hawaii's one of the worst teams in FBS football. Colorado State. Michigan's had a preseason. If I'm being quite honest, Colorado State, Hawaii, and Connecticut might combine for three wins, four wins at the end of the year. Why don't they have to go play a Big Ten team to open up the season on the road in a color out? No. They get four consecutive home games before... Iowa seems totally fair. Once again, Jim Harbaugh is back leading this Michigan Wolverines team after he flirted with the NFL again. He nearly signed a contract with the Minnesota Vikings. He had an eight-hour meeting. I think he was getting ready to, and they just couldn't agree to the terms. It was really strange for a guy that just led this team to the college football playoff, but he's back. He hasn't seemed to have lost the locker room. And I'm just going to say this. I really like Penn State's chances against Michigan on Saturday, October 15th. I know they don't traditionally perform well in Ann Arbor, in the big house, especially most recently under James Franklin. They won that game in 2020, but there were no fans. This Michigan team lost a lot of talent defensively. Ajabo, Aiden Hutchinson, Dax Hill, you lost your three best defensive players, and those were the players that changed the course of the game last year. Aiden Hutchinson had a bunch of sacks. He's not back with the Wolverines this year. Ojabo, a huge pass rushing presence for the Wolverines. He's not back this year. Guess who else isn't back from that team a year ago? The coaches, the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator both took new positions. Josh Gaddis was the wide receivers coach at Penn State at one time, was the OC last year with Michigan. Now he's down at Miami. 
That is huge, and I don't think people really have accounted for that in terms of rating Michigan. How does the locker room feel about Cade McNamara getting benched in favor of J.J. McCarthy? We've seen Jim Harbaugh do that before. He did that in the NFL. When he was the head coach of the 49ers, he went and benched Alex Smith, who suffered an injury at the time, for Colin Kaepernick and said, you know what, Smith, this isn't your job anymore. You lost it while you were injured. Well, Kate McNamara didn't even have to be injured. They just said, J.J. McCarthy outright beat you after you led us to the college football playoff against Georgia last year. Frankly, I think that's a little disrespectful. I don't think Cade McNamara did anything to lose the starting job, and who knows how that affects the roster, the locker room, anything else. Michigan still remains big and physical along the offensive line. That is the name of the game. It's always been that way under Harbaugh. They have some of the best offensive linemen in the country, and it's going to be probably the toughest test for the Penn State defensive line to go up against them. And they have an incredible running back behind them to go along with that offensive game plan. Blake Corum leads the country in 20-plus yard runs. Now look at the competition he's faced, but I won't deny that he is an incredible talent And I might hype him up even a little more because he did, in fact, go to my high school. So I will take that where I can. However, he's the enemy next Saturday when he faces Penn State. But Blake Corum is going to have a life in the NFL after college football. He is that good, and he has the offensive linemen to help pave the way for him. I really do believe that Penn State can beat this Michigan team. And as we continue to scout the Wolverines throughout all of next week, you will see why. Missing key defensive players, the big changes that they've had in the coaching staff, and the sudden change at quarterback, the lack of competition that they've played, it will all kind of come together. Michigan has the benefit of being at home. It is a maze out, but I think the Nittany Lions can get it done. This is Locked on Nittany Lions. Thanks for joining me, Zach Seiko, on another episode tomorrow. We welcome on a special guest. The first time I am having a guest on Locked on Nittany Lions, and that is Matt Freiler. You may know him as Maddie Fresh the author of the hit Penn State songs, Trace McSorley, Jahan Dotson, Saquon Barkley. We're going to continue to break down the Nittany Lions, talk about the Penn State-Michigan matchup, and where Matt believes this Penn State team is and what potential they have to finish the season strong. And if you want to know more about Penn State, Michigan, and teams around the Big Ten, know what your team is up against across the Big Ten with Locked On Big Ten. Everyday host Nate Dickinson and the local experts of Locked On take you across the Big Ten in 30 minutes. Make Locked On Big Ten your second listen. That's Locked On Big Ten.